0: Are you a parent in business that wants to learn digital marketing the right way? So you've got an amazing business and you want to shout it from the rooftops. You want everyone to know about it and you want to generate consistent revenue. You love the idea of your business working for you whilst you are busy making memories with your family. The one thing stopping you is digital marketing. From SEO to blogging, from creating your own digital courses to creating podcasts that parents will love, My Bumped Baby has the solution. We have launched our digital marketing academy and it is designed for parent-focused business owners to grow and scale their business with ease. Our Academy can be accessed from anywhere on any device, which means as a busy parent in business, you can learn on the go with our bite-sized straight to the point videos. Join us today by visiting the link below and have seven-day free trial on us to see if the area is right for you. Click the link under this podcast to start benefiting today and access our training right away. We look forward to seeing you in there and teaching you everything you need to know about digital marketing for parent-focused businesses. Hello and welcome to My Bumped Babies Expert Podcast where we bring experts from all over the UK to answer your questions on everything pregnancy to preschool. Hello everybody and welcome to my Bumped Babies expert podcast today. I am delighted to be joined by the lovely Emily from Finding Flow Parenting. Hello Emily, how are you? I'm good, thank you so much for having me Carla. I'm really excited to talk to you about this subject because it is something that I think a lot of parents feel but they're almost a bit scared to share uh, too much that they feel this way, anger and shame and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So Emily, first of all, can you introduce yourself to our audience?
1: Yes, so I am the founder of Finding Flow Parenting and I am a conscious parenting coach and I'm also trained in somatics and breath work so what is somatics and breathwork that's kind of all about the body because parenting is a full mind and body experience and the topics that we're talking about today anger and shame they're very much in the body as much as they're in the in the head so I when I'm coaching my clients it's a very kind of full 360 mind body approach to helping them feel more centered and grounded in their parenting so that they can parent in a way that feels good and feels in alignment with the way that they really want to show up in their parenting.
0: I love that. I love the way you've described that because that's it. I think we're all so different and different things, you know, different things rub us up the wrong way as parents and they do. And it's like, and you feel so, I mean, at night sometimes I'm, I'm very open, but I lie in bed sometimes I think, oh gosh, I'm such a terrible mother. And I didn't turn around, I was on the computer and he was trying to talk to me. And you just can fill yourself with so much guilt and shame. And also, like you said, when life is stressful... Anger, anger can come through and it's about managing all of that so so i love what you do emily and today we're going to be talking all about that so how would someone recognize the i think many of us will know but how would someone recognize the signs of of going through that thing where you're stuck in that shame if you know what yeah. i mean So, actually, I think shame can be one of the hardest
1: emotions to identify. People are pretty down with sadness, anger, fear, but actually shame, even the word shame, can bring up a little bit of spice in some people's body. And um, so, to define shame, this is Brené Brown's definition of shame. She says, it is the deeply painful experience, and I think that's a really great way to start, there. shame is deeply painful. Is the deeply painful experience of feeling that we are fundamentally flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. So how shame might show up for somebody, I think the clearest phrase of shame might be something like, I'm failing. I'm not good at this, I'm not a nurturing mother, or uh, it might be like, you know, I am an angry dad, then these kind of like really sort of like, I am phrases. And, you know, to, to distinguish that from guilt, guilt is like, I did something um, that was non-optimal, let's say. Um you know but it, it it's about shame is kind of this core belief that we there's something wrong and that it is a kind of flaw upon our character and that we're just fundamentally not good and that's really what i work with my clients on is i i define it as being like a shame resilience journey like how can we become more shame resilient because the thing is is that guilt motivates but shame is really paralysing. Shame keeps us stuck in these cycles in our parenting that aren't serving us.
0: Gosh, I feel like I've had, uh, had counselling myself just, just then. That was bumming. Brilliant. So, yeah, I, I totally resonate with that because the word shame, we do avoid it a lot. And even saying the word, I actually feel a bit teary even saying it because as parents, you know, you're always second guessing. Am I being the best I can be? Am I being the best version of myself? and yeah it's um yeah the guilt is one thing but yeah maybe a lot of people use the word guilt when actually it mm-hmm. is shame you know 100% yeah
1: yeah and and i think um the the opposite of shame would be trust trusting that you are fundamentally good imperfect but fundamentally good. And that's really where I try and get my clients to, is trusting that, yeah, the experience of being a parent is going to be messy, because human beings are like wildly emotional creatures. We just are. And it's going to be a messy experience. Parenting, it just is, right? But how can we go through that messy experience trusting that we are fundamentally good and kind of on the right path and that our children are fundamentally good and that with our guidance they can be on the right path too so I think that's the kind of like where we want to get to if we are stuck in shame is is nudging daily towards feeling more safe and feeling more trusting of our of ourselves and believing that
0: we're good we are good, and we are, and, and the thing is, when you become a parent, I mean, I don't know, you know, about some of you guys, but I literally saw, like, these lovely parenting moments on TV, and I was like, oh, that'll be me, and now I think sometimes, you know, you can get caught in the thing where you think, oh my goodness, I'm awful at this, I'm. they could have a better parent, and you feel like you want to beat yourself up sometimes, and it's like... You know, but at the end of the day, we're trying to do our best, but we're also trying to manage households, relationships, keep up with friends, and there's so many other areas of our life. We're trying to balance everything, and sometimes parenting can be a struggle because we, we you know, we're trying to trying to do all that, and you can get stuck in a bit of a, a rut, really. And I know some of my friends that I've spoken to have been in a rut before, where they've been stuck in a situation where they are yelling at their kids a lot. And that's just become their normality. And how would you move away from that?
1: Yeah, and I think, I think, you know, this word stuck. I think we can end up getting stuck in these patterns of behaviour. And I really like defining them as patterns of behaviour. So yelling is a pattern of behaviour. And one of the ways that I really like to reframe yelling is that yelling is a protective behaviour. And when we are framing yelling as a protective behaviour, the question then is not so much how do I stop yelling, but it might be like curiosity, as in like, what am I trying to protect? And this is where we can start to make progress. So sometimes we yell because we are trying to protect a value. So for example, like let's say that your values include like, um nature health outdoor time curiosity playfulness right and then you see your child on a screen and then you might be like really triggered by them being on a screen and suddenly you find that like you're you're shouting and yelling seeing them on a screen and it's not really about the screen it's about the idea that your values are being violated by what you see because it's kind of not in alignment with your values. And then we start to panic and we might be yelling, you know, like, get off your screen, get off your screen, in a really panicked way. And it's not about the screen at all. It's about this feeling of violation, that our values are being violated. And that's really where we can get in in a pickle with yelling, is like we're trying to protect our value. Um, and there can be other things that we're trying to protect as well and you know one of them might be expectation so often we can have expectations of our children and you know obviously it's great to have high expectations of your children but sometimes I find people's expectations of their children are really wonky and what I mean by that is one of the things that we really lack within our culture is just like an awareness of what is developmentally normal for children at each age and also stage and I say stage because obviously if your child has additional needs or neurodiversity then that adds another kind of layer in but sometimes we have very wonky expectations of very young children and one thing i always like to say to my clients is that the human brain is not fully developed until 25 and so yeah and so like of course your children don't understand your logic sometimes. Of course your children struggle with meeting boundaries because they're operating with a brain that is not fully formed yet and sort of within this we can find a little more compassion and empathy for them but also for ourselves like it makes sense that they're not able to follow our instructions first time because their executive functioning in their brain so executive functioning is the part of the brain and um, in the prefrontal cortex which kind of allows you to execute a task from start to finish and children's executive functioning is quite weak and that's not their that's not a moral failing it's just the fact that their brain has not fully developed yet and they need our support and guidance to
0: be able to develop their prefrontal cortexes. Wow yeah. I've never thought of it like that and you know I probably and well in fact I am definitely one of those wonky parents you described so don't feel shame in that anyone that's listening because it's just you know I I sometimes well, I do expect probably a bit too much than what my children can give, you know, in terms of, you know, the way they, you know, can you finish your breakfast? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I think that's it. They're not our age, are they? And, you know, they've got, um, yeah, they've got their own struggles, really. And um, when, like you said, with the, with the brain not being fully developed, I've never actually thought of it like that. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. it makes a and lot I of think- sense.
1: When you're looking at it in that way, it's much easier to be empathetic and know that your role is essentially to guide. And when we're in that mode of, like, how can I guide my children through this rather than how can I kind of, like, order and instruct, which is very kind of, like, top-down, power-over.
0: Mm, it does make sense. So how would you suggest someone getting out of that kind of routine that they're in of the yelling.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things...
0: Yeah, the pattern, yeah.
1: And I think one of the things fundamentally here is we yell when we don't feel safe. We get angry when we don't feel safe. And we feel shame when we don't feel safe. And what is this, like, not feeling safe? Because we might, you know, logically... Be like, yeah, this is just two small children in a house. Yeah, of course this is safe. But our experience of it might be completely different. So in my early years of parenting, really (laughs) objectively I knew that this was safe. But my experience of it, it felt like there was tigers in the room. Like, my nervous system was just in a state where I was constantly living in, like, fight in my nervous system. And, you know, really how I got into parent coaching was because I had a lot of anger and shame. So I'm certainly not somebody who's kind of coming at this from the point of view of, like, I've mastered everything. Like, that's my default, is anger and shame. And it really comes from not feeling at my core very safe. And I think um, a lot of people can go through life, you know, not feeling inherently safe and kind of get on by with that. And then you have children, and that feeling of not feeling inherently safe becomes, like, magnified by, like, a hundred. And um, so ways that we can feel a bit more safe might be... The first thing I would say is, like, slowing down. One of the questions that I'm always encouraging people to um, think about is, is this an emergency? Is this an emergency? And 99% of the time, it's not an emergency. And if it is an emergency, then please do yell. Because if your child is running into the street, that is like yell. Definitely, you want to yell if your child is running into the street because that yelling is there to protect you. But most of the time, it's not an emergency. And um, one of the things I always like to say is like, how can you be like a paramedic? So I don't know whether anyone listening has ever dealt with a paramedic. I have experienced um, a situation where I've, you know, seen a paramedic up close doing their thing. They come into the scene, you know, where something's happened and they come in calm, composed, but also taking action. And if we have the belief, too, that we can come in calm, composed, but also taking action then then even like when things are quite spicy think paramedic how can I be like a paramedic because sometimes there's this fear of if I don't yell things are going to get completely out of control and actually you see a paramedic dealing with a situation if a paramedic came in like yelling and panicking all they would be doing is making everybody else yell and panic too So that would be like a little nugget, I would say, like lean into safety by slowing down and be more paramedic in the way that you deal with um, situations which have that air of spiciness to them.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. So in terms of then the opposite, so some parents, silent treatment is another kind of way that they kind of handle their anger, if you like. So what do you think of that in terms of how how that is for the child? And also, is there a better way to handle that?
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I talk a lot about the nervous system in the, in the way that I do my parent coaching. Because when we have more awareness of the nervous system, we're able to look at everybody more compassionately, including ourselves. And some I would say that sometimes what can happen is um, we're going down the flight pathway, if we are angry but we're kind of in this seething and silent treatment. So people are very familiar with the fight Pathway, which is obviously like the yelling when you kind of come out with like you know aggression. Like that's a very typically in that fight pathway. But the flight pathway of the nervous system is like you're angry, but you're not outwardly expressing your anger, you're more kind of like moving away from the situation, which might be in silent treatment, which might be in kind of like silently seething and You know, so just labelling what's happening there, that you might be going into that flight pathway, can be just helpful to understand yourself. And I think um, there can also be something going on here where if you were not allowed to be angry as a child, if you were punished, like by smacking or isolation or shaming when you were angry as a child, it makes sense that you would really struggle to express anger as an adult. That makes so much sense. And obviously, in a way, there can be some, <laughs> there can be some some benefits of doing that, in that you're not screaming and shouting. But the toll on your body of squelching anger down, of repressing anger, that can be equally as problematic. And so, you know, one of the things that I um, encourage my clients to do is is kind of like working with the body in safe ways to explore anger and one of them might be to have like a healthy aggression practice which is basically when you're not angry you just kind of have like a few minutes of the day where you like are like what is it like to be angry and just kind of like sounds a bit silly but like kind of connect with anger and kind of see what it's like to just spend a few minutes just kind of going like ah! and, and um, in your house
0: not yeah, outside yeah. <laughs> you might scare people
1: you know another thing here is is that some children find it very hard to get angry and I read this article once which is like one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is to teach them how to healthily get angry Um, because anger is a human emotion and if we are kind of shaming anger if we are kind of pushing anger out of the way and kind of saying that's not an acceptable emotion we're pushing part of ourselves away and we're pushing part of what it means to be human and alive away Um, I'm a big fan and this is not for everyone but I am a big fan of dance And like dance meditation, because actually dance and dance meditation can be a great way of connecting with your anger energy, but in a really safe and playful way. So I'm always encouraging my clients to do dance meditation. Not all of them do it, but. It's a playful yeah. way of connecting with that. If you are someone who represses anger and someone who maybe feels quite fearful of anger, it can be a playful way of getting in touch with your with with anger.
0: Yeah, I find that it, for for me personally, my cycle, depends on what kind of mood I'm in I feel like I'm four people in one month sometimes one time I might be you know angry one time then it's a silent treatment and you know like kind of right I'm not happy about that and you know it's just kind of identifying with yourself I mean a lot of people do keep journals now for you know tracking the cycle because I, does that have an effect on the way your parents yeah
1: hundred percent and it's something that I have started becoming much more aware of there's a great podcast called 28 ish days later where it's a. have you heard
0: of that it's like no
1: through the entire sort of menstrual cycle in like short episodes 28 short episodes that's super interesting and um yeah I think that you know one of the things here is we're given really poor um education on our menstrual cycles and if anybody has got a teenager or a um a daughter you know who's coming up to their it's called uh, I learned this word recently them the menarch I'm not sure whether I'm pronouncing that correctly but that is the menarch the menarch is you uh, a girl's first period and yet most of us were given no education on our menstrual cycles and this is something that I don't know a great deal about but I would really encourage people to start tracking their cycles to start reading about it to get curious and it's something I'm certainly on a journey um, towards getting more in tune actually I'll tell you what my husband was more in tune with my menstrual cycle than I was because he just noticed these big shifts in where I was in my um in my anger and shame and um so yeah I think that's a great thing for people to get curious about um yeah because I do think
0: it has a massive impact
1: on our definitely
0: Definitely, so Emily, will I mean I've loved this episode, I could talk to you all day um, mm-hmm. But ha- can you explain how you can help parents again, all the different things that you help with And also how people can find you, and we'll put your links underneath this yeah. podcast as well So people can make contact with you directly Yeah,
1: so I've got, I've got a little freebie on my website Which is, it's called How to Stop Yelling and Start Thriving So you can check that oh, out Oh I love that website. And um, yes, I work with the main thing that I do with um, people who come see me. So I work with individuals, but I also work with co-parents as in like the couple comes together, which makes an awful lot of sense because then you're making like big shifts in your family together. And um, so, yeah, I do a 12 week program, which is like a complete 360 personal growth program of how to be a parent that is more in alignment with who you authentically are and how you authentically want to parent. So it's very bespoke and I really come from the approach that everybody is different and therefore everybody has different values and everybody has different beliefs and therefore like, there's no one way to parent. But the way to parent is a way that feels really good for you and feels really good for your child. So it's a really kind of connection based program. How can we help you have greater connection to yourself so that you can have greater connection to your child? Greater understanding of yourself, greater understanding of your child. And it's it's a very kind of heart centered way of 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 working with with parents and as I say it's kind of um body and mindset and also practical tools because some parents they really need the practical tools other parents have read like a thousand parenting books they know all of the practical tools but what's stopping them from being able to execute them is anger shame panic fear and so we might kind of delve into soothing lots of those things and that's the number one word that I really am leaning into at the moment with my clients is how can we soothe how can we bring soothing in? And how can we bring soothing to anger? How can we bring soothing to shame?
0: How can wondering what's on in your local area? Come and join our weekly newsletter where we share the classes and groups that are on in your local area. From pregnancy to preschool, we have you covered. Click the link below this podcast to receive your newsletter each week, every Sunday, so you know what's on and you can plan your week ahead.